All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Global Threat Report, Global Threat Solutions, the 100% military veteran-owned security investigations from Global Headquarters right here on the island in Suffolk County, also offices in New York City, Miami, L.A., overseas Frankfurt and Mumbai, and, of course, the Global Threat Solutions CEO, the captain, Kim Bambis, with over 21 years of law enforcement intelligence experience, serving as a military intelligence officer in the Middle East. company just provides so much, so many services. Check it out for peace of mind in uncertain times. Go to that site. Global Threat Solutions.com. The aforementioned uh, captain, uh, Kim Bombay, sir. Good to have you on a Monday morning. Like a lot transpiring over the weekend, uh, not only in the Middle East, but uh, here locally. Uh, Cap, we'll start out there. I was out and about, and I saw the alerts come into play that the uh, murderer, the killer, and the mass shooting in Maine. Uh, was found, self-inflicted a gunshot uh, wound there. Uh, and uh, we'll start there with Robert Card, the 40-year-old, and uh, much uh, to the uh, mindset of many uh, up in that neck of the woods. Uh, he no more as uh, creating what he did. Give me a sense there. Uh, a massive manhunt, obviously. Uh, 48 hours or so in play there, but all coming to an end on Friday. Welcome, my friend. Morning, Jay. Yep, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so at least people now know that there's no threat. They've moved from the phase of this investigation where there was still this big tactical operation to make sure that this person wasn't going to kill anyone else and continue to be a threat. So at least they know that's over with now, and now the people are going to start healing, and the investigation will continue. And, you know, Maine's going to have to deal with this like so many other jurisdictions have. You know, do they want to – what policies might they be changing to try and protect against things like this going forward? You know, as far as identifying that, there were red flags with this, this guy, and obviously enough wasn't done to keep him from carrying out this act. So they're going to have to deal with that, and unfortunately, I'm sure we'll see more of these. You know, not so much there, but across the country. Well, you know, the thing is, and we understand the cops went to visit him about two months ago. All the situations involved, uh, as far as his mental capacity was concerned. You know, we've seen this before, where an individual is targeted, flagged, and nothing is really done. Uh, as far as the fulfillment of uh, either getting help or trying to uh, somehow corral what could be a potentially dangerous situation, as in this case, yellow flag laws, which exist in Maine, you know, you wonder where the disconnect came in. You know, Cap, it seems like we have sights on situations, but for some reason we cannot finalize the deal as far as a prevention for these things to happen here. Uh, there's going to be a big investigation as to what occurred here with Robert Cart. Uh, why was this individual uh, seen through the cracks and, and pretty much go about his business after two weeks of being institutionalized? What happened there? What happened with these yellow, law, yellow flag laws? Uh, what happened as far as that disconnect between police uh, and the judgment from a medical uh, examiner uh, to end with a judge as far as maybe taking away this man's guns, which is what these laws are all about. I mean, there are a lot of questions here, Kat. Right. 
So I could tell you, Jay, having conducted many of these threat investigations uh, where, where an individual makes threats against a public official or someone else, uh, law enforcement does have restrictions. It's, they're very difficult, these investigations. Oftentimes, people don't quite go to the level of breaking the law when they have this erratic behavior or things that might be considered a red flag. And even when they do, even if they come right out and say, I'm going to go to a, a location and I'm going to kill everybody or I'm going to kill an individual, a person, you're so restricted. At most, what you're going to do in that situation is give them an involuntary committal for an evaluation. And when you do that, you're, in my experience, usually within 24 to 48 hours, that person's released. And, you know, there's no mechanism in our system. Now, obviously, our country is very fragmented because we have 50 states and many jurisdictions within those states. They don't, some are better at this than others, but there's, because of our system, there's a lot of restrictions. You can't just um, detain somebody indefinitely because they have mental health issues. Now, as far as the weapon, I think that was, a, that was, is a problem they're going to look into right now. If this person had these mental health issues, this person made a threat specifically about mass shootings, how was he able to illegally possess a firearm? Now, we would do that, too. When we have individuals who have made these threats and they're getting an involuntary committal, we, if they have firearms, you seize those firearms. But again, that's an imperfect system. You know, you, that's only the ones that you would, if they, you're going to ask, does this individual have firearms? You ask them and maybe family. If, if they say no, or if this weapon isn't legally owned, you're really restricted. How, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. They could have firearms and you just don't have access to them or don't know that they exist. So it's not 100% that system, but in this case, definitely could have been better. I don't think those attempts were made to take firearms from this individual, but we'll learn more in the coming days. And hopefully uh, a lot of information will come out as to figure out why, what happened here. Uh, we're talking with the CAP, of course, uh, with the uh, Global Threat Report. Now, just to kind of stay on the subject over the weekend, uh, Captain, um, you know, we've had issues regarding these mass shootings, 580 of them recorded this year across this country alone. 11, by the way, over the weekend. Hard to believe, right? Uh, in Indianapolis, you had a Halloween party ending with one person killed, nine others injured, shots fired yesterday. Separately, you had a shooting in Tampa that left two dead, injured 16 others. Uh, hundreds uh, were uh, filing out of the bars and nightclubs. And then in Chicago, good old Chicago. Chicago has never won to disappoint. 15 also shot on the west side there. And, you know, listen, we know we have... Guns beyond belief as far as what's out there. I've always said this. You know, it's not about the weapon, it's about the individual. And when the individual's in play, it's about those who prosecute, those who enforce the law, those who are there to protect. There have been issues on those fronts. I think if we could solve those issues, we get ahead of the game. We get people that are there to prosecute accordingly. That's what their job is all about. We have not had that in various parts of this country over the years. We also have had less police to police these types of incidents. That also kind of paves the way uh, for all this to occur. Uh, and listen, we can go back and forth, back and forth on this issue. You and I have been talking about this forever, Kevin. Yeah. So, Jay, you know, it's interesting you brought that up. I was, uh, I was discussing that. 
the the incident in Lawndale in Chicago area with 15 hurt too critically. It was a, they call it a mass shooting. See, but this is where it gets, there's like a gray area here as far as definitions. What, like, what we just saw in Maine, that's what every American thinks is a mass shooting, what we just saw. And all of the attention gets, goes on to these incidents because um, of, the, first of all, the horrific nature of them. But those incidents oftentimes, probably a majority of these times, they have these AR or assault rifle style rifles. So they get all the attention. But I hate, I hate to say this, but it's just fact. Statistically speaking, with the shootings, even what we consider mass shootings in America, like this one in Chicago, the number of them that are committed with assault-style weapons or any long gun is statistically insignificant. They're so small. It's such right. a tiny part of the shooting problem in this country that they get all of the attention. And the reason I say that's not, I'm not saying this from a, a Second Amendment viewpoint. I'm saying this because we're not addressing that we're not giving enough attention to the real problem. Like this one in Chicago is a handgun. I was on an illegal firearms team, uh, and I could tell you that that's where the vast majority of these shootings, even the ones they consider mass shootings, are being conducted with illegally possessed handguns, like Chicago and in New York and L.A. That's where the vast majority, that 560 is a very um, it's a distorted, it, it can be a confusing number to people that don't follow these things. That is not 560 incidents like we just saw in Maine. It could be gang shootings where they drive by a crowd and they shoot right. more than two or four people. And there is a distinction because the, if you wanted to do one thing to really address shootings and gun violence in this country, you have to focus on illegal handguns, period. That's where the problem is. It's right. such a massive portion, but all the attention goes to assault every single time we hear let's ban assault rifles that 560 would do nothing to that number if you banned them and and that's the problem most people don't know that yeah you're right i agree with you i agree with you a thousand percent and you also have to have the proper prosecution in play you know you have a da out in chicago uh who has been lax thereof as far as kim fox with all the goings on well, we could cite this over and over again, folks. It's like broken record. But the captain's right. The captain's right. He'll distort it as far as what mass shootings are and whatnot. Chicago's a massive problem. We know that. There's DA there now who has taken the baton as far as the, the, previous, the previous one uh, who is very light as far as the prosecution and everything else, slapping the wrist. We know that. And maybe if you firm up that category, uh, maybe you'll see some results in a positive way. But until then, you know, listen, it's the same old, same old as far as the uh, the Windy City uh, is concerned. Uh, you're right. Uh, there's a lot of illegal weaponry out there. That's where the ghost guns come into play. But you see, that's where prosecution comes into play as well. And that's important because you must send a message uh, from a law standpoint that this will not be tolerated and there will be consequences. You don't have that. You just don't have it in many parts of this country, Captain. So, uh, yeah. you know, listen, it, it's a tough thing. You come back from a weekend of this, especially after what we saw in Maine uh, from Wednesday with 18 people dead, 13 injured, a couple of clinging to life, we understand, at least three. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. But the beat goes on until we kind of change that mindset. Uh, we will not improve. Now let's get to what's happening 
in the Middle East with Israel. And over the weekend, they announced that it entered this second stage, Captain of its War, against Hamas. And uh, yesterday's ground operations in Gaza to intensify. We've heard from the Prime Minister Netanyahu reiterate his intent to destroy Hamas. Uh, 1,400-plus killed, mostly civilians. Uh, in Gaza, a number killed during uh, these strikes since October the 7th, three weeks prior, folks, has risen around 8,000 or so. You know, I find it comical that, not common stuff to use that word, I shouldn't use that word, but I say that regarding the United Nations, and they are a joke. Uh, they're going to hold an emergency meeting today where the UAE will seek a resolution on a humanitarian pause in the fighting. What does that mean? Humanitarian pause. Israel is bound to continue, and it should. It's ground raids in the uh, coming days, and there should not be a pause of any kind. Uh, you know, at this point in time, you know, it's about wiping out this group so that it never rears its ugly heads again. I, I don't know what a humanitarian pause means, Captain. Yeah, you know what that is? It's a fancy word for a ceasefire, Jay. And that's the thing, that Israel, they know, is never going to agree to a ceasefire. And by the way, President Biden has been supported a ceasefire. So it's just semantics. Now they're changing the name. They're calling it a humanitarian pause, which is a ceasefire. And they're, they want to do this to get more supplies in there. Now, they have 59 trucks, as we speak, lined up at the Rafa crossing in Egypt to come in. They're saying, well, it's nowhere near the level of 450 trucks that would go through and before this conflict. Well, this is a war, so things are never going to be the way they were. We have to get in as much as we can and as safely as we can because we cannot let weapons and other supplies get to Hamas so that they can continue to eradicate them, the Israelis. So, look, war is, is very difficult. They've told people to flee. I think enough attention, Jay, is not being given to the fact that these bordering um Middle Eastern countries refuse to take any refugees. They're, everybody's worried about a humanitarian pause and getting supplies, but they don't want the people. They don't want them for one second. So why are we not putting pressure on them? Why is the U.N. not putting pressure on these other countries and saying, hey, if you guys are so concerned about this, the people are trying to flee. Let them into your country. Set up refugee camps. You can provide from there. The Israelis have to do what they have to do right now. They're, these are people... Um, that Hamas, when they went in and launched this attack, Hamas believes Israel shouldn't exist. And, and if you don't see that, their attempt in that attack as a sign of genocide, they went over there and they, they see that they're justified in murdering babies. That's what they're dealing with, the Israelis. And there's only one way to deal with that. They have to rid Gaza of Hamas. It's that simple. And, you know, Jay, as much as I, everybody feels for the people who want nothing to do with this conflict living in, in Palestine right now, in the, in the Gaza region, but I don't hear any reports, no reports of Palestinians that don't support or, or coming out and making statements against um, Hamas and condemning them. I haven't heard one. Not one statement from Palestinians saying we don't support them they, and condemn them as an organization and condemn them. And, and so this is not what the Palestinian people believe. I have not heard that one time. And I've said this before, but you do have some type of some level of responsibility for who you allow to lead you. 30,000 Hamas fighters, 2.3 million people. And all I'm saying is I, I, I would say that the majority of Palestinians supported the Hamas leadership or they wouldn't be there. 
you know, and, and they have a, uh, they had an opportunity to choose their leaders like every country does. And, and I think that they, they made a mistake when they allowed Hamas to be their legitimate leaders. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, going back to that UN, I say yeah, the UN is a joke. That building uh, should just be some sold real estate. It houses no thinking at all. Uh, Elicit the, the blame uh, Israel justify Hamas. That's the deal. Remember that whole thing, Cap, with the Secretary General Guterres from a couple of weeks ago? The yeah. vacuum comment and everything else? I mean, come on. Yep. I mean, it is insane what they, the resolution calling for Gaza ceasefire. I mean, it passed the General Assembly without mentioning the terror attack that started this whole thing. Why not? Right? Why not? I mean, it was a 120 to 14 vote. I mean, that, that just shows you what's going on here. And you look at the U.S., you look at who are some of the other countries besides Israel. You had Hungary, you had Austria, you had Croatia, a few others as far as, you know, on the side of proper thinking. Um, and incredibly as it sounds, what happened to our allies here? What happened to the U.K. and Australia, Canada, Finland, Germany? Yeah. Uh, what happened to Italy, right? What happened to Sweden, South Korea? Ukraine! Can you imagine this? Ukraine, yeah. as far as, they, you know, they didn't, they didn't take a stand. How are we giving all this money to Zelensky, Cap, and they haven't taken a stand, right or wrong, as far as what has occurred since October the 7th? I, I can't, this is unbelievable to me. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, 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 you, and behind and the scenes, did. you got this administration... This White House, who would prefer a kind of a break in the action right now? I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. It doesn't make sense. This is, it all goes back to the U.N. and everything else, Kat. Kat. This is why the, uh, the, our, our Congress, they need to handle the funding of these two conflicts separately, not together in one joint no question. Uh, funding operation. You know, these are two separate things, and they're very nuanced. And by the way, one of them, we've already given, you know, I can countless, I mean, over $113 billion. So you can't put in a spending bill for both of them together. It's not legitimate. So I think that we're not going to see that approved. But, Jay, in, a, in the bigger picture right now, this is so disturbing to me because, you know, when you look at what's going on on college campuses, all the protests over the weekend globally in support of, um, well, in support of, the people in Gaza, but also in support of Hamas in many cases. And you look at what happened here. I don't think there's any way else to look at this. I've seen some of the reports in college campuses, things that were done and said about killing Jews and all sorts of horrific things. This is in the United States. And if people don't see this, this these uh, are signs of these are the this whole view right now that Hamas has towards Israel and the people that support Hamas. This is the Nazis of our era. These people don't want them to exist as a people. And, and when you look at these statements, there were, this is how it started, Jay. There were statements like this before, uh, leading up to World War II. There were, that's how it started, this type of hatred and people tolerating those types of statements. I think it has to be taken much more seriously on these campuses. Any protest or anything like that, these people have to be at minimum removed. In some of these cases, there needs to be investigations. The FBI has to be looking into this. There's literally calls for violence against Jews. 
You know, it seems to me so crazy. It's so one-sided, this topic. And I think a big part of it is these kids are ignorant, Jay. They don't know. It's, it's like they've they wasted their money in college. They don't even know what they're talking about. I mean, the Jews have been in that area for 3,000 years. What are we talking about? You know, it's just, this is not um, a legitimate argument that they're making here. And any legitimate argument there may be for people in Gaza was totally uh, is null and void after the attack on October 7th. The horrific actions. Israel has no choice. They have to do what they're doing now, period. Cap, it's unbelievable. You're right. Ignorant is the right word. I mean, ask anybody. And I guarantee you nobody would think back to the year 1947. And I've said this many times on this program over the last couple of weeks. Look back into history, folks. Look back. 47 it was. With the UN, app actually adopted Resolution 181. That should be emblazoned in one's mind here. Because that's when it started it all. It was known as the partition plan. Which was sought to divide the British mandate of Palestine into Arab Jewish states. And that's when Israel was formed a year later. That's what sparked the first Arab-Israeli war. And that war ended a year later with Israel's victory. But many Palestinians were displaced. And then the territory was divided into three parts. You had Israel, you had the West Bank, which is of the Jordan River there, folks. If you look on the map, and then you have the Gaza Strip. And that's where the tensions have arisen over the years. But I implore people to read the history books. And you're right. Many of these kids protesting, they don't even know what the hell they're protesting about. They have no idea. completely ignorant as far as the history. I've spoken to a couple of young people. Okay? A couple of young people. In that neck of the woods, by the way. And they also do not know what has happened in the past. And, you know, it's just, you just try and educate people as far as, you know, what, what has gone on over the last, you know, 50 years, 60 years. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. 75 years. Israel was created. 75 years. And there's a long yeah. history and, there, and, Cap. Long history. Yeah, if we go back further, Jay, you know, the, the Jews were there in this area a long, long time before the Islamic religion existed. I mean, it's... With these kids, don't they're getting their news from TikTok, and they're getting even worse. They're getting them from these far-left radical professors that have indoctrinated them. They go to these schools like a, you know, uh, totally devoid of any background information, which is also a problem. And then they hear these professors, and they they think this is gospel, this is truth. They think this is the trendy thing. This is the cool view to have right now. And it's ridiculous, and it's dangerous. Even more so, it's dangerous. When you have a college campus in New York City where these Jewish students are hiding in the library, they have to lock all the doors because these these pro-Hamas protests is going on, and they're trying to get to them. I mean, this is insanity. Why are we tolerating this right now? And, you know, if you don't believe in the, the values of the United States and what we believe in, I'm totally for free speech. Not when it comes to... Uh, targeting people in our country. And when you look at what's going on right now, this is dangerous. Look at history. And to be on the wrong side of this right now, I think, is really, really dangerous. And for us to tolerate it as a country, that's scary.
It is. It used to be that of an Ivy League school. Your kid went in there, you were proud of it. You told people about it. Your kid got into Harvard. Your kid got into Yale. Your kid got into Princeton. Your kid got into Cornell. Look at Cornell, what it has become. And the money they charge to try and get a decent education and climb that ladder of success. I can't think of anything worse right now as far as what's happening in our country with our young young kids. And, you know, these people who we think are to be educated to the max, right, at some of these institutions. And look and look what the, look at the hatred that's being spewed throughout. It's very disturbing. Uh, Cap, always a pleasure. Uh, we'll focus in tomorrow, my friend, as far as uh, Iran, some of these proxies, what's happening as far as Saudi Arabia. I understand uh, the defense minister will be meeting with officials today, and we'll see what happens in this uh, fourth week here of, uh, of conflict. Uh, you stay well, sir. You too, Jay. Look forward to talking tomorrow.